Listen, if you are like most people, you spend a lot of time on social media and it feels like it's a waste of time, why not start figuring out how your time on these social media platforms can actually make you some money by leveraging those things that you recommend, the products you love, the things that you talk about, the great deal on a rug that you just got, the lash product that has changed your life. If you're one of those people that believes sharing is caring and you love sharing your favorite things and deals and those kinds of things, like you should be getting paid for that. But brands aren't going to reach out to you. You need to know how to reach out to them to set up these brand deals. And again, they don't care if you have a big following. They don't care if you don't go on camera. They just want to know, are you somebody that people trust and engage with? If that could be you and you want to learn how to do this the right way, we have a new mini course that is super easy to get through. It's really fast to get through. And it walks you through the process of how to get started with brand deals. It's pretty cool. Like we teach you how to pitch yourself. We put together templates for you so you can just like basically copy and paste the email. We show you how to put together a media kit. In fact, we give you a template so you can just like drop and drag your own photos and information about your social media platform. We will teach you how to ask for free product from companies and then how to negotiate your rates. And with the big changes to Instagram, you know, Instagram's favoring smaller accounts, like the time is now. So don't miss this opportunity. Check it out right now. Go to shaleen.com forward slash micro. Again, it's shaleen.com forward slash micro. And let's get you some brand deals. I don't know too many people who don't need this episode because almost all of us have relationships with people, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, and where there are relationships, there is the potential for drama. Today, we're going to talk about the dreaded drama triangle. And more importantly, I hope is we're going to explore how to get out of it because <laughs> it's not fun to be in it. And you might be in one. You might be in one at work. You might be in one in your family or with some of your friends. It's just not fun. So let's figure out how to get out of this, shall we? All right, let's do it. All right, so first shout out to Dr. Michaela Sarno, who first introduced me to this concept. And I remember when she was like telling me about it, I just wasn't that interested because I'm like, yeah, it doesn't relate to me. I'm not in a drama triangle. But you know what? I probably was in some area of my life. So first, let me explain what the drama triangle is, okay? So this is a concept first developed in the 60s by a, I think he's a psychologist whose name was Stephen Karpman. And the term was used in psychology to describe the way that we kind of identify ourselves in particular relationships. So in all of our relationships, apparently we take on some kind of a role. So we, or he says that we take on the role of either the victim, the persecutor, or the rescuer. And while we have a you know natural propensity towards one of these styles, right, we all at some point or another identify with all three. So in some relationships, you feel more like you're the victim. And in other relationships, you feel like you're being persecuted. And then in some relationships, you feel like you're always stepping in and fixing and rescuing. Okay, so here's the other kind of interesting thing about the drama triangle. And there's lots of different interpretations of this. And I've been studying this because we've got drama in our family and you have drama in your family. And there's been drama at work before and there's drama in friendships. But like, for me anyways, when things get really kind of overwhelming or when I start to feel a little bit like a victim, I go into research mode so that I can develop a plan to get out of it because there's nothing I hate more than feeling like I don't have choices. There's always choice. Friends, 
There is always choice. There's even choice in the roles that we feel most comfortable playing. We don't have to play that role and we have to figure out when it's not serving us. Another thing that's pretty interesting about the drama triangle is it doesn't always have to involve three people. It can involve two people. And those two people can move sometimes from victim to persecutor to rescuer. So sometimes the victim, believe it or not, okay, so try to imagine somebody who their role is to be cared for. They think that they can't do anything themselves, right? So naturally, they're going to attract a rescuer, right? But what does a rescuer need? The rescuer needs to rescue people, right? In order to feel good. So if that person who's always rescuing people doesn't feel good when they don't feel like they're enough, technically, they're a victim. And therefore, their victim can actually save the day because they need to be saved, right? So what they're doing is they're rescuing the rescuer by giving them something to fix. There's a lot to unpack. Did I just use that phrase? That's one of those phrases that drives me crazy. (laughs) But there is, there's a lot to understand. Because the persecutor If there's three people involved, it could be a person. But sometimes the persecutor is just a circumstance. It's like the villain. The persecutor can be life. Like sometimes people just feel like life has dealt them a horrible hand of cards. The persecutor could be society or a political affiliation. So even though he uses the term persecutor, for for me anyways, to like fully understand this, I had to think of the word persecutor as like, Who's the enemy? Like, who's the bad guy here? Who's the person who people are pointing at and saying, it's this person's fault, or it's this circumstance's fault, or it's because of this that I am a victim? The persecutor could be a life-threatening disease. It could be COVID. It could be the vaccine. Like, it could be all these things. It's just whatever you've decided is the reason why you're being victimized. Okay, then the rescuer can also be a concept. So the rescuer can be a drug, it can be alcohol, it can be whatever your escape is, or it can be a person who has to step in and rescue you. It can also be a concept. It could be your faith. But a drama triangle typically involves two, at a minimum two, oftentimes three people, but at a minimum, it's two people that keep this triangle or the cycle, I should say, going. And if you've ever been in a relationship or if you're in one now, and I don't mean a romantic relationship, I mean a family dynamic, a friendship, a situation at work. If there's this dynamic between you and one or two other people and it just feels like there is always drama, always, I guarantee that whether you realize it or not, you are in a drama triangle. And the good news is you can get out of it. The bad news is you are going to have to take some culpability, some responsibility, and it's not just as simple as recognizing, oh, I'm in a drama triangle, so I'm just going to step out of this. Because so much of the roles that we play are as a result of our childhood experiences, our beliefs, the way that we think, the way we've been conditioned to look at things, the way that we get attention, the way that we feel validated. You know, many people feel validated by being victims, victimhood. Like, you know, they're special because this happened to them. Like they get to tell their story. They get to have people reach out to them and say, I'm I'm so sorry you're going through that. And it's almost an identity 
that is celebrated very much so lately in social media. So I personally think there's a whole generation right now that shall remain nameless that really loves to be the victim. Every word is triggering. The way you stir your coffee is an act of violence. Like, I think we could do a whole episode about that. It's just crazy. You know, I see so much of it in social media where there are these people who that's their identity. Their identity is rooted, rooted firmly in victimhood. And ironically, here's the ironic thing about victims. Victims are also persecutors, right? So when you feel you've been victimized, you are going to persecute or point your finger at, or you're going to identify the villain, right? And so, but when you're identifying a villain, aren't you then victimizing the villain in a way? So you can see how this can become kind of a vicious cycle. And you can also understand how in certain situations, you're going to view yourself as one of those identities. So right now, if I ask you to think about whatever relationship, wherever that is, home, work, friendship, family, where you are experiencing regular drama, what role do you see yourself as? Like, I don't ever want to see myself as a victim, but I can think of certain situations right now where I did feel victimized, <laughs> right? So that's part of it is like just identifying that there is this toxic dynamic and also just readily admitting that sometimes you do play more than just one role. The victim sees life as happening to them. When you are truly or truly feel that you are in a victim role, you feel as though you can't change the circumstances. So to some extent, you feel powerless, We've already identified who the persecutor slash villain is or that it could be a concept. But then there is the rescuer and the rescuer is needed because the victim sees the problem as something they can't fix themselves, that they need help. And people who fall into the victim role identity more often than not, they are going to, this is all subconscious, they are going to seek out people who validate them in their role as victim. So it's like they will seek out people who make them feel as though, yes, I can help solve this for you, which validates their belief that they don't have the ability to solve it or that this problem is, quote, unsolvable. Now, the rescuer steps in again, unknowingly thinking like, oh, I'm just a good person. I just want to, they, they need help. And so it would be unkind to turn my back this is what I'm supposed to do. Nobody else can do this. You know, it's the fixer, the rescuer, the saver, right? So they step in, but unknowingly what they're doing is keeping the victim powerless. Now they're not doing this intentionally, but that's what happens. And also oftentimes the rescuer is rescuing because it serves them in some way. Like the episode I did on Monday, it makes you feel good. So if you're following along, We've got a rescuer who keeps a victim powerless, who validates their belief that they can't control the situation, that they can't get out of it, that they can't solve the problem themselves. So they keep them powerless, which makes them reliant on the rescuer to come in and rescue them. And when you're in the fixer, saver, rescuer role with someone who's a victim, it's exciting and it feels really good at first. But then pretty quickly, the rescuer slash saver also becomes exhausted and resentful and emptied 
but yet they stay in this triangle. They can't get out, sometimes for years and years and years, and that's why they call it the dreaded drama triangle. And again, while all of us are going to have certain situations where we identify as the victim, that's to be expected. What's actually quite dangerous is when you routinely fall into the victim role as your identity. Some signs that you might need to be aware of that you're doing this is in most situations, you're not at fault. It's somebody else. You're placing blame elsewhere. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, I am, but because it wasn't my fault, that's not taking responsibility. And people who often fall into the victim role, that's how they think like, this is not my fault, their problem, they're a narcissist, they don't understand what I'm going through. You're thinking about your own situations. Your situation is harder than everybody else's. If it's very difficult for you to understand what it would feel like to be in the other person's shoes, there's a pretty good chance that your brain, for whatever reason, and and it's usually to protect yourself, goes to the victim mentality, like the victim side of things first. And it's really common for people who've experienced a lot of trauma to naturally default to that because it's a way to protect yourself, especially if as a child you felt powerless It shouldn't be surprising to you that as an adult, that can also be your default. Many people who feel victimized believe that they don't have the power to change their situation because in their youth or in their childhood, they were powerless. So it's a natural default if if you, the first 18 years of your life or however many years, you didn't have much power. That's something that has to be learned and it can be learned and you can change the way that you view your situation, your circumstances as an adult at any age. I mean, in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, at any age, you have the ability to change this. People who are stuck in a victim mentality often use language that's not appropriate. And by that, I mean, they'll say, I can't do that. When really what they mean is I'm not willing to do that. People who have adopted a a victim mentality sometimes don't even realize that they've made a conscientious decision to choose blame and to go on the offense. Victims use language like, everything bad happens to me. Well, I can't do it right, or it's not going to work out right, or it's all going to, you know, fall apart in the end anyways, or they'll use language like, I guess I deserve bad things. I guess no one cares about me. I guess this person doesn't care about me. I guess you don't love me. When you're kind of stuck in that victimization, victimhood type mentality, you're also hypersensitive to people's actions, the way that they look at you. You will see small omissions as being intentional omissions. You're looking for wrongdoing. You're looking for reasons to be offended. You're looking for reasons to identify a a persecutor, to identify a villain. So that's another good way of knowing if you are kind of stuck in this victim mentality where you're, you're constantly pointing at the villain. And remember, the villain can be a concept. It can be a circumstance like your spouse has died. It could be a circumstance like you have cancer. And of course, it can be a person, right? So it can be anything that you're pointing to and saying, because of this or because of this person, I am in this situation. And while again, we all sometimes play the victim role, it's really important to identify if that's your kind of go-to. If you're always engaging in negative self-talk, if you know, you're know you doing a lot of self-sabotaging, 
you know, it's hard for anyone to admit that they're sabotaging themselves. But just look at the history or the patterns that develop in your relationships. Those with a victim mentality often are more susceptible to depression, to anxiety, to feelings of loneliness, isolation, angry outbursts. They are more likely to turn to substances or things that are addicting, such as pills or alcohol. Again, because those things are in fact a rescuer, right? They're rescuing the victim from feeling lonely, from feeling isolated, from feeling pain. And it's, again, it's not always the case, but more often than not, the person who has a natural propensity to fall into the victim mentality has a history of past trauma. They have a history of betrayal, of abandonment, of codependency. And while most people you know, don't want to readily admit that they think of themselves as a victim, doing so is going to help you make a change, make all the difference in your life. So it's also recognizing that being a victim in certain situations has its rewards. I mean, every single one of the roles, when you're in that role, you're getting something from it or you would play a different role. But the question is, how do we get out of a drama triangle? So maybe you're not the victim. Maybe in the current situation, you identify as the rescuer and you're at that point where you're, you're done, you're spent, you're exhausted, you're becoming resentful, but yet you just, every single day, there's something new. Like, wouldn't it just be great to have a day without drama? Well, actually, that's not an unreasonable ask. In fact, that's a pretty low level goal. We can do better than that. We can do better than just ask, hoping for one day without drama. What if you could rework this relationship? I mean, because you like this person, you like these people who are in this triangle, right? Whether it's one people or two people, you like them or you did at one point. So wouldn't it be like pretty cool if you could still maintain a relationship with them, but there wasn't the drama? Well, it's possible. It's been done. It's been done before. I mean, it's only going to happen if you believe it's possible, right? So let's talk about possible solutions, specifically the empowerment dynamic. And this is a dynamic that you take into account those three roles and you create a transformation. And that transformation starts with a decision from the person who identifies as that role. Okay, so follow me for a second. In this dynamic, the empowerment dynamic, the villain or the persecutor is going to transform into the role of a, a challenger or a mediator. Okay, so they're almost like a neutral party. It's almost like a therapist. It's a person who's asking questions, who's mediating. Okay, so if you've been playing the role of the persecutor, the person who's like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you driving everybody in the family crazy? You need to take care of yourself. Or in a relationship, it could be, you know, the husband who's my wife. If she would just do A, B, C, D, and E, then we wouldn't be in this predicament. Like, so the person who is the persecutor, if, if it is a person, right, and not a concept, the person who's a persecutor is often someone who's very assertive. Sometimes they've move to a place where they feel like they're the persecutor. They are a bit more aggressive or more direct. And so in that role, if that's where you are right now in this dynamic, you need to make a mental shift into being a neutral party. You're now the mediator, the challenger. The rescuer needs to transform into the role of a coach. It is 
helping versus rescuing. It is hearing that this person, the victim, has a problem, and instead of saying, let me handle this for you, or just jumping in and solving this all of their problems and making sure that they don't experience any pain or any discomfort. P.S., by the way, you probably already figured this out, that oftentimes in families, a parent can be a rescuer and they don't realize that they're turning their child into a victim by doing everything for them. Their teenager's forgetfulness or inability to plan the fact that the science project is due in two days, then suddenly the parent becomes a rescuer and doesn't want the child to feel uncomfortable or or to suffer the consequences of poor planning. And so they'll jump in and rescue. And again, what they don't realize they're doing is keeping their child in this powerless victimhood role. You got to let your kids experience pain. You got to let your kids experience upset and discomfort and consequences. You've got to coach them, though. Instead of rescuing them, you got to coach them and say, hey, you know, well, next time, if you don't want to feel this way, if you don't want to get that kind of grade, then you've got to figure out what you need to do differently. It's encouraging your child to solve their own problems by coaching them, by asking them the right questions, by Letting them know, encouraging them, supporting them, and helping them to see that they actually do know how to do these things. They can figure it out. Maybe they just need to be led by the right coach, right, by the right questions. But in doing so, you help your child or your friend or whoever it is that you're routinely rescuing, you help them break out of their mold as the victim. You see, because the rescuer, it's funny how we we really start to freaking resent the victim, but yet we've kept them there as a victim. So I hope this is like, for some of you, I hope like that you're just having like a major light bulb moment right now where you're like, whoa, yeah, I'm keeping this person in this role by continually rescuing them as opposed to coaching or helping. I want to take a moment to say thank you to our show sponsors, which today is Organifi. I love all of their products because number one, they are organic. Number two, they are USDA certified organic. They're very low in sugar. They use the best superfood ingredients. And I've found a couple of products I'm absolutely in love with. Let me tell you the three that are my favorites. The first is Organifi Gold. That's what I'm drinking at night. It's like a warm cup of tea, but it kind of tastes like kind of an earthy hot chocolate. It's made out of nine different superfoods, and they are designed to help you get into deep sleep and recovery. You'll have better sleep. You'll have better REM sleep, which is really important to cleaning out those toxins in your brain and helping you to wake up and feel restored and refreshed. I drink that at night. Then during the day, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I mix two other of their powdered ingredients. One is called Organifi Pure. And for me, it just tastes a lot like my lemon ginger water. I drink Pure because of the brain impact. It has clinical research that shows that your BDNF, which is your brain-derived neurotropic factors, are increased by over 206% by drinking this. And it tastes delicious. I happen to mix that with another product they sell that's called Immunity. And I started taking that at the beginning of coronavirus. And it's designed to improve your immune system. It just gives you the antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial support internally that you need from a combination of ingredients like beta-glucans, olive leaf extract, and vegan D3. I mix those two together. I think it's delicious. Organifi is a great company. 
all the way around customer service, their product development, the way they lab test their ingredients. It matters to me, and I know it matters to you too. So check them out. I'm going to spell it for you. Organifi is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Shaleen. And when you go there, they are going to give you 20% off all of their products when you use code Shaleen. So you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Shaleen. That gets you 20% off. All their products are great. My favorites, Pure and Immunity. Okay, so let me share with you how I have sorted this out in my own head because y'all know if you listen to Monday, your girl is addicted to rescuing, saving, fixing. What I've learned to do is to ask myself, can this person do this thing themselves? And 99% of the time, the answer is yes. Okay, so how can I be helpful without rescuing? Well, one way I can do that is by coaching. So it's me instead of saying like, you know what, stand by, let me do that for you. It is me saying, so where do you think you might look for that? How do you think we might do that? What options do you have available? What research have you done? What do you think your first step would be? And what do you think you need to do next? It's just, for me, it's just learning, gosh, okay, let me just start by asking questions. Because sometimes even just lecturing someone and telling somebody what they need to do, again, you're kind of rescuing them. You're telling them what to do so they don't have to figure it out themselves. And this person needs to learn how to be self-sufficient. They need to learn how to figure this stuff out themselves. And they can. They absolutely can. It's not fair to them that you are maintaining this relationship that is creating resentment on your part and you're keeping them in that powerless role where they feel dependent upon you. And you've done that, rescuer, I'm talking to you right now, you've done that because it strokes your ego. It feels good to be so necessary, so needed. It feels good to be looked at as the hero, the golden child or or the friend with superpowers. But again, it's really not fair and it's not fun and it's keeping you stuck in that triangle, the drama triangle that's so not fun. But what does the victim need to do? What role does the victim need to take on? Well, the victim needs to transform into a creator. This was a concept created by a medical doctor and coach, Dr. David Emerald Walmeldorf. That's a hard last name to pronounce. I'm going to say it again. Wommeldorf. Yeah, that's it. Well, good old Wommeldorf studied the opposite of being a victim. And, and if being a victim feels like you have no power, no ability to change anything, then the exact opposite of that, which is change, change is done by creators. So the victim needs to become a creator. The victim learns to look at their circumstance and instead of thinking, I don't have any choice, this is just what I have to deal with, everybody hates me, I think I'll go eat some dirt, the victim learns to set a vision for themselves. Like, what do they want? Ultimately, what is it they'd like to see different? What kind of outcome would they visualize or do they dream about or would they like to hope for? And this requires being hopeful. So it's very challenging if somebody is in a victim mentality or a victim state and also clinically depressed. That person needs 
professional support and supervision because it is really hard to have a vision, to have a dream, to have a desire, to even want any outcome when you're in the deep depths of depression. Seek professional help if that's you. If it's a loved one, you can't have them self-talk their way out of depression. You can't rescue another person from depression. They need professional support. And it's tricky because when somebody feels like a victim and they're also clinically depressed or you suspect that they are, that person usually is so low, they don't even have the energy, the motivation, the oomph to do anything, let alone agree to doing a lot, right? So when you talk to someone who's in the depths of depression about getting out of depression and working with a therapist or going into treatment, that sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like it's going to take a ton of energy and it's so hard to understand the mentality when you aren't depressed, when you are upbeat, when you are happy, when your brain isn't working that way and and you are talking to someone who is in the depths of depression, like you just feel like, are we on the same planet? And both parties feel that way. The person who's in a deep depression is like, you just don't freaking get it. It's not that easy. I can't just do these things that you're telling me to do. I can't just drink chamomile tea and feel better. And the person who isn't experiencing depression is like, why can't you just go talk to a therapist? Why can't you just get up and go outside? Why can't you do the tiniest little thing for yourself? And you can see when you start thinking that way and talking to someone who is a victim and you start talking to them in that way, now you've shifted. You're no longer rescuer. Now you're the persecutor. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to be the persecutor, right? So then what do you do? You persecute them and you persecute them and you just tell them, if you would just do this, because you're getting angry, right? So now you're persecuting. Now you become the villain. And that doesn't feel good. So before long, guess what role you move back into? Yeah, then you go back into rescue mode because you feel bad. You feel guilty. It doesn't feel good. You feel cold-hearted. You don't feel like yourself, right? And so, of course, You're going to shift from persecutor back into the role that does feel good, which is the rescuer. And so the circle continues. So the only way to break out of it is to make a decision to stop playing one of those roles. Like you've got to stop being the villain or the persecutor. You've got to stop being the rescuer and you've got to stop being the victim. Like as soon as you make a decision to stop playing one of those roles, the triangle breaks open, breaks free. Believe it or not, it is possible to be in a relationship with the same people right now who you are in a drama triangle with. It's possible for that relationship to be one where everyone feels empowered. But let's be real. There's one person who's listening to this podcast. There's one person who is going to download a few audible books about the TED concept, which is the empowerment dynamic. There's only one person who's probably going to do a little bit of research on YouTube or on Google to learn more about the drama triangle. And that's you, right? So the person who's educated, the person who's aware is the person who's first going to decide like, oh, wait a second, I have autonomy. I have the ability to make a decision to do things differently. I can decide to be the creator. I can create a vision for my life and I can start taking little baby steps. And those little baby steps, even when I don't have motivation, it's going to give me the momentum to take additional steps. And I'm going to start feeling better about myself. And I'm going to start realizing that I've got this ability 
to empower myself, to create a vision for myself, to create a plan for myself, and to make these little changes. I've got control. I am not a powerless child who's experienced trauma and devastation and had to fend for themselves and figure out how to survive, right? You are a survivor. You are not a victim. You are a survivor. You are a thriver. And you have the ability to step into the role of creator. If you are the fixer, if you are the rescuer, you have the power, you have the control, you have the intelligence to stop rescuing, but yet still be helpful, but helpful in a way a coach would be helpful. Helpful in a way that a coach wants to teach their player how to throw the ball. The coach doesn't want to go out there in the middle of the game and throw the ball for the quarterback. See what I'm saying? Like, that's how you want to start thinking of yourself. And if you're the persecutor, it's recognizing that that just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be in that role. And what you ultimately want is peace. You don't want drama. So it's learning to be the mediator. It's learning to ask questions. It's learning to be a neutral party. It's learning to say, as one of my Patreon members commented in after Monday's episode, not my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> Since that time, I've heard like a bunch of variations of that one, like not my clown, not my circus, but I like monkey, right? <laughs> I think because monkeys are cute. You can understand why it's so tempting to want to take care of a cute little monkey. Clowns are scary. Yeah, so not my monkey, not my circus. And I have the ability to pivot, to transform, to to pivot into a more empowering role. Listen, being in a drama triangle is not fun, but it is something you have the ability to break free from, and it does start with a decision. Now, I might suggest that you send this episode to the other parties or party that you feel like you're in this triangle with, but prepare yourself. They're definitely going to follow up and say, oh yeah, after they listen. So what role do you think you're in? And you know, the honest answer is we all play all the roles. I tend to play fill in the blank more often than not. But yeah, I've definitely been in all of those roles. That's the honest answer. If you're truly self-aware, learning to change our roles and our responses, the way that we respond to each other and the way that we can influence the people that we love and the people that we're stuck in this triangle with, that's going to take time. It's going to take a commitment. It's going to take patience. And of course, as always, I think these things are done best with the support of a therapist or a life coach. It's possible. Don't be afraid to invest in wise counsel, as I always say. And it certainly doesn't hurt to just do more research. Like, listen to everything you can on the subject. There's a lot of different takes on it. And you're going to find one where you're like, things are just going to really click for you. I hope this clicked for you in some way. Let me know if it did. Okay. Drop your comments inside our pod squad. If you are on Patreon, leave your comments on the Patreon app. Your feedback about this show or any show for that matter, whenever you write a review, I just really appreciate when you guys specifically refer to a particular episode. That really helps people who are looking at the podcast to know like, oh, which one should I start with? Or how did this episode affect people? So thanks for doing that. I appreciate you. No, actually, I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave 
a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash the Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 